all of them up front have to understand what you're trying to do schematically. They have to understand what a defensive structure is like. There's a lot of coaching involved on that piece of it because the center's ID will tell the entire line what the front is, what they're doing, but they also have to be kind of clued into what's going on. And I think it makes them smarter players. They have to adjust because of what we do, how fast we play and the splits that we have. We get so many different pictures. They've got to be able to know where the bodies are, how to track them, and have to be really smarter alignment and forces their communication to happen quicker, forces them to have to process faster. It does force guys to be really, really in shape alignment. And if you have to be a smart in shape offense lineman, hell, I ain't all bad. Today's Coaching Coordinator podcast is taken from the second annual Lawrence Firth and Goal Clinic. And in this one, the offensive line coach at Tennessee, Glenn Ellerby, talks about tempo, how they coach the linemen in tempo, as well as one of their flip, as well as one of their favorite plays to use with tempo, the counterplay. I love this one because you don't hear how the offensive linemen are coached in the mechanics of an ump of an up-tempo offense. We always hear about receivers, what the ball carrier does, the skill guys, getting them aligned. But Coach really gives the fine points of this. And while he is talking through a couple examples that are on film, he's very descriptive so you can understand how they're coaching these guys and how important it is for those linemen to learn the mechanics of what's going on. So this one is worth taking a look at for the video as well. I'll put the link to it in the show notes. You can get the entire clinic talk on Coach Tube, and Coach is very detailed in what he shows on video as well. So here's Coach Glenn Ellerby, offensive line coach for Tennessee. First off, kind of want to start and thank um, Lawrence First and Goal for letting me do this, and Coach Walker at the Christ School, and Keith Grabowski, and everybody for uh, giving me the opportunity to come speak with you guys tonight. Hopefully, everybody will get a, a little something out of how we do tempo and really some of the pre-step stuff that's a little bit different than the way most teams do it. And also uh, one of my favorite plays counter and kind of how we use a base counter and then some of the same side misdirection counter uh, as well. This talk will be a little bit more geared, even with the tempo piece of it, towards offensive line and how we coach it. Specifically, I'm going to use a couple of sides we use for all the positions, but Again, focus a little bit more on how we are able to play fast uh, and what we do a little bit different up front, how we coach it, uh, and then get some more of the schematical pieces of it as we go. Really, for us, why tempo is one, I feel like just up front gives us a, a huge advantage blocking defenses, blocking D linemen that don't have their hands to the ground or are tired. Like you go up to any offense line and you ask them, man, do you want – run block three technique that has his hand in the ground and is when resting for 30 seconds after a huddle or try to pass block a defense fan that's doing the same thing. And once they get a chance to do it versus a guy that's tired or not set, even though sometimes IDs and things like that can be a little bit more difficult, boy, it's uh, it's well worth it. Plus just the simple mathematical fact of, man, the more times you snap the ball, the more chance you have a chance to gain yards and score. And um, I think it, can create opportunities that uh, for guys that typically aren't as talented as the dudes across from them. We do try to play as fast as we can for our skill guys. Uh, and you'll see it as the slides keep on going. It's about them getting 
line down, getting their eyes back as soon as the ball's over to the signaler and kind of move into their position. And we try not to move them much on the field, call plays that'll move them during the play if we want to change formations versus actually calling new formations. But that is a big piece of it. And really, we try not to sub and just give guys breaks where they need them based off signals that come back to us. Hey, this receiver's gas. Let's not take the ball towards him. Let's uh, run it or throw it a different direction and try to take some of that off of. For us, up front, again, kind of the, the benefits of it. And I think when you're teaching one, all of them up front have to understand what you're trying to do schematically. They have to understand what a defensive structure is like. There's a lot of coaching involved on that piece of it because the center's ID, and we'll talk about it here in a second, like his combination call will tell the entire line what the front is, what they're doing, but they also have to be kind of clued into what's going on. And I think it makes them smarter players. Um, I think they have to adjust because of what we do, how fast we play, and the splits that we have. We get so many different pictures. They've got to be able to know where the bodies are, how to track them, and have to be really smarter alignment and forces their communication to happen quicker, forces them to have to process faster. You know, and really at the end of the day, even though we can't spell the word shape, it does force guys to be really, really in shape alignment. And if you have to be a smart in shape offense lineman, hell, that ain't, that ain't all bad. So getting into a little bit more specific of how we actually line down and play a whole lot faster. For the center, and I've got some clips of how we coach it and we'll get into questions that people typically have. Like, man, how do you actually coach tempo? How do you practice it? Really, it's a scrimmage environment. It's coaching these mechanics from that continuous tape. But the center, first thing that'll happen as soon as the ball breaks where really it's any – well, he doesn't know where exactly it landed. He's going to obviously know where it ended up. Like if the ball ended up outside the left hash, he's going to track it down the left hash, look to the line judge, and try to find that intersection wherever the ball landed on this side of the hash to where the line judge set his foot, and he's going to set his feet and kind of get a feel for where that line judge is, where the ball's going to be spotted. And typically after a while, they get pretty – damn good at it so you'll see the way we coach it where the center is going guards and tackles man their only job is to find the center center should be working his way to the ball where that intersection is going to be where i think we are unique in some of the skill positions again won't touch on it as much but the ball they know where it gets tackled in terms of the line scrimmage so if anything's a what ends up being a game forward, they're going to always find the umpire, try to get the ball back into him no matter where they catch it, who runs it. If it's a positive play, the ball is ran and soft tossed back into the umpire. For whatever reason, it's a run and it's a negative play. We coach the running backs to know the center judge is always coming over his left shoulder, so he should get up, look to his left, and try to get back to the center judge as fast as possible. You know, with the skill doing that piece of it, it kind of helps – the offense line do their part of it. And for us, I'm going to put these scrimmage clips up. I'm 
and both the way, so it makes it a little bit easier to see. But yeah, we'll practice fast at practice in a tempo situation. We've got some cards and three play sets, and give the defenses those three plays that we want them to do different looks, and we'll practice tempo that way. But really, the way we learn to play fast is off of any scrimmage model or any true team versus defense where we're setting the ball. We always have a continuous tape and then we splice the tape and coach off it. And really I've got about six examples of what we would do when after a very first scrimmage. I think this is our first scrimmage from spring at Tennessee and just probably not don't have good examples of it, but how, man, we'd coach them to get better. And then by the end of it, they kind of understand what's going on and what's being asked of them after the play ends. So essentially play ends and you can see, I think this is our center, right? And the comment for him was, man, you're not finding the side judge. He's sitting here looking, he's looking at the official. Well, hell, the line judge is here. If he just would actually look over to the left, he'd already know where the ball's gonna be spotted. He could get his feet in the right spot instead of having to chase the ball up to where the official is and now actually cost us another extra second of getting set. You know, won't focus as much on the skill guys as possible, but like my man here, not right. We uh, have all of our eyes back to the sideline, to the signal, guys moving to get set. Another example, again, just as you'd be coaching it through and like pulling different plays would be like you'll watch our right guard here. So play goes, play ends. The center actually does a decent job. You can see him look over here, try to find where the ball, where the line jet's going to be. He is setting his feet. This slappy is just looking where the ball is, has no idea what's going on, where he ought to be finding the guard and then all finding the center so he can get set. Center already knew he's actually done a really good job of knowing where the official's going to spot it based off the side judge. Everyone else is waiting on him. If he's where he's supposed to be, we have a chance to snap it even faster. But, like, doing those type of things, I think, give us a little bit of an advantage that you're teaching. Hey, man, do you see this? This is what's happening. This is the reason we're taking too long. Kind of another example from the first scrimmage that you'd cut out and talk to guys would be, man, center, ball breaks here. I'm chasing it, but I'm trying to get set again. Here's the officials. I never looked at it. Now the ball gets spotted. I have to move up an extra yard. Everybody else has to move up extra yard, half yard. It takes that much longer for us to actually get the ball snapped. I think there's another good example here. Again, just watching the center. Ball is thrown, caught. Awesome. He's chasing. And we'll talk a little bit about this, too. As you'll see, I'll have a clip cut. I think another way that you play fast and it's probably a sin in football for a lot of people. And man, I totally get it, especially online coaches, because you want guys to go play balls on fire and try to kick the ever living piss out of somebody and play with great effort the entire time. But we do coach, man, if a ball's thrown 10 yards down the field, right? We should never cover it at an angle. We all should, always should cover straight down the hash to where the ball is, don't have wasted movement. Uh, obviously, if you're in the fight, be in the fight. When I say the fight, like if I'm left tackle on left guard and it's a screen, man, I'm going to go over there and do everything I can to be in the fight and help the ball carrier. If the quarterback ever has the ball in his hands, 
I'm always protecting him. doesn't matter where he's on the field. There is no shutoff switch. And then if it's a run play, obviously I'm finishing until the ball is tackled. But where passes are thrown, they're thrown way down the field. And, man, don't waste the effort to cover to the sidelines. But given back to the example of the center, he never, like I'd be all over Coop's ass here, he never looked at the official, never looked where it was going to be spotted. And, again, he's getting his feet set. Well, hell, he's off by a yard. Everybody has to move up. Kills us tempo-wise as far as getting this ball snapped. This would be an example of coaching a coverage pattern. Man, ball's completed way down the field. JC does a great job. Like, I'm running. He thinks he's giving effort. He thinks he's covering this way. Well, really, as small of the things that sounds like, he has to go here. Then he has to go back to the hash. We're trying to shave as much time as possible off of it. And because you're playing fast, you're trying to conserve as much energy as possible. Hell, take that extra bend out of it. It's thrown down the field, cover straight down the hash. We're going to be able to be set so much faster, so much more efficiently. Now, he does do a really good job. You can see him looking, finds where the ball's going to be spotted, goes. He's looking the whole time, sees where it is, gets a feel for where it's going to be. And now, as soon as it's spotted, he's able to snap his feet and get set. Everyone can coach the rest of these four guys that they got to haul ass and get down there. That's not as big a deal. But the process of it, I do think, is important. thought this was one really positive clip that why you do what you do. The center sees right here that Fisher marked him out of bounds, right? And I'm sorry I got lost there, but you'll see Coop right there, right? So ball goes, and he's over it. He sees it's marked out of bounds. You can see him peek back, sees the official immediately hangs a left, goes, looks back again to see where the official is, has set his feet. All these yahoos think the ball's broken wherever it's going. Man, if you'll just go find the center who's trying to find the line judge, how much faster we'll be able to get set and snap the ball, it'd be crazy. Uh, now, like, those clips really, really, really end up resonating with the guys. One last kind of thing, again, I can – our world, you want to play with great effort and maybe cause a guy to get the penalty, but, like, the trash talking and the time wasted that you ain't got time – in between plays to waste talking trash and doing something stupid. Like here you can see the center, like him, the D lineman, shoving each other. Well, hell, while he's sitting there talking, the ball's already being spotted. He wasted two seconds off the time. He ought to be trying to go up and get set. It takes him longer than it should. We're still slower than we ever would be. So, again, for us coaching tempo, like to me, we always make the biggest step after a first scrimmage by doing the intercut and just clipping it and going through and coaching those little mechanics. Obviously, every position is coaching their guys, the receivers, the running backs, the efficiency in which they move. But you can kind of get a feel for why we're able to play as fast as we can without the offense line because of the process that we go through. I do think for me trying to help them learn how to play fast and learn how to play efficient, I am in every effort to be super efficient at practice and even in the meeting room, kind of talking slow like slow right now and going through it at a teach pace. In the meeting room, there's times that in the beginning it may be a teachable pace where you're talking to them 
and you're slowing things down. But, man, once it gets in the season, once we've kind of had the install, I talk super fast. Questions come out fast. They have to answer quick, quickly. We're moving. It's almost like an auctioneer inside of a meeting room and seeing if they can keep up, seeing if they can process. Same thing at practice. We're moving from individual to wherever it is. Like, it is super organized how it's happening, trying to make transitions fast, trying to make them not practice in a panic, but practice with a sense of urgency. And with that, like design, script, every rep that they could possibly have at practice. And I have somebody that helps me that, man, lets them know when the next group will be in, but kind of the flow of transition because there is no like ones, twos, threes. It's Man, these guys are up. These guys are up. These guys are up. And they know it. And it kind of makes it go really, really, really super fast. Gives them a sense of urgency to it. I do think for us, the way, obviously, when we're just practicing against each other, when we do group run, group pro, something that I've found to make us faster, help us call plays and help the defenses get set and get actual looks, is when we do group run, group pro, like this is super simple, but GL just take PowerPoint make 12 slides for group run. We'll put them on front and back sheet. The defense will just literally hold these in their hand and we can have a 12 play script that'll get 12 different looks with their fits. And you can call it as fast as you possibly want. And, and guys are able to look down, see it get lined up really quick. It's kind of a cheap form of those fancy wristbands and those type of things that you can simulate going as fast as you want with different looks. I think sometimes that's where you struggle initially is you practice tempo. It's like, man, just give us a base look, just give us a base look, just give us a base look, just get lined down. Well, you never end up getting the pressures or get them in and out of odd front or twist game or whatever it would be. This is a way to to do that. The other way that we do that, and I alluded to it a little bit earlier, is We'll do a lot of cards where it's slowed down, where it's just show the defense, line down, run the card. But then we'll have a three-play set where we'll tell the scout defense, hey, man, first one's base quarters, next one needs a field pressure, the last one's a boundary pressure. And it's going to be on the left hash, left hash, right hash, like preload the defense. Typically, they can remember three plays in a row. And then offensively, we already know what those three plays are, and we're going to call them as fast as we can, get the ball set, and the scout defense will you know, run those three different looks. And for us up front, you get the feel of defense is not set. Bodies trying to get where they want to, but executing movement post-snap, which I think that is the toughest thing as an offense lineman is defenses typically aren't completely set. The picture's getting to what it is will be you're trying to make your call and figure out, man, I think it's going to be four down, feel like it's going to be a two-backer box or the backers are going to be kicking their safety dropping in or whatever it is. But you're analyzing what's going on as fast as you can. You saw tenuous tape, like it's happening uber fast. Like there's not a lot of time in between him getting to the ball, the quarterback calling the play, him making the call, and us going to execute. And I think it does go back to – all the guys knowing what's going on in the front and the scheme, where guys are at, and not just the center. Now, obviously, one of the favorite tempo plays that we like to run would be counter. Uh, we'll do a lot of insert as well, but typically going fast, I think it's one of the 
easier plays that, man, if I don't have it exactly right as far as the front ID or the combination call, we're not screwed. We can still go run counter a really high clip. And I'll talk about kind of our base counter, go through the fundamentals of it. And then we have a have one where we actually, the tight end uh, people have cloned copied us and do a lot more now, but the same side action where the tight end, you'd be running counter left and he'd start on the left, three steps to the right and come back and we'll kind of get into that for the last part of the clinic. But for us, teach and counter, like I said, in tempo, there's not a lot of combination calls. Typically what happens is the center's going to come up, he's on ID, whether he's blocking back or where he's going three down, work with the guard, and that one calls on tell everybody exactly what's happening. It IDs the front, IDs his combination, uh, gets a little bit more where that's part of it in your zones uh, and your man schemes where, again, if he's working on the left guard, he'd say salt, 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 and that meant four down, execute four down rules. Or if he was still running zone left and wanted to uh, work with the right guard, he'd say south, 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 or whatever it would be, and, hey, it's three down, execute your three down rules. But that being said, for us, counter, that's where it'll kind of start. The center's going to get set, and he's on ID. Man, is it four down or three down? What are our base rules? Uh, and from there, we try to get as technical as we can with the fundamentals of how we actually block it. We're a little bit different than the fact that, yes, everybody is – Man, if it's four down counter, left guard and tackle, you guys are going to work a, a double where you call it deuce, um, a tag, um, whatever your terminology would be to that second back on the box, which is his rule. But we're a little bit different in the fact that, man, if I'm a tackle and there's a B at player in four down, there's a three technique, I'll run into the double and we'll watch a little tape on that, exactly what I'm talking about. And if it's not a three technique, we'll do a gallop through the gap, expecting movement, and then climb to our back. Where I also think we're a little bit unique is that typically on that double, whoever ends up being the climber to the second backer, right or wrong, probably get, get booed out of a clinic for this. But most people would aim, if you're, say this picture over here to the right, if you're a right tackle and you're aim, you got to clean climb the two eye stay to two eye and you're trying to get to the mic, you would typically aim to the play side number. For most people, we actually aim backside number, so the left side of that mic in this picture. And the reason we do that is, one, the worst place we can get beat is underneath. I think it keeps guys from getting beat underneath. Two, we, like everybody else, will bounce, roll him over the top if he's trying to play over the top of the block, but keeps us in a position to where I'm aimed at that backside number. I can really feel when he's going over the top of it, and I could stick my left foot and bounce him over the top, but I'll never climb too high, get beat underneath, and now it's a one- or two-yard game. Like, if I get beat over the top, the thing still may hit, or at worst, it's three or four yards. So I think we're a little bit different in that aspect. Uh, another thing that we're – I think everybody does, but, like, we coach that we're living piss out of, is, man, if I'm a left tackle and I'm the boundary, my eyes are always, as soon as I hear it's Cleveland, as soon as I hear 40, I know I've got my tag, deuce, whatever you want to call it, 
couple of miles aren't necessarily looking at that backer initially. I am found finding the boundary safety because that's the guy that's going to tell me, is it going to be edge pressure? Do I need to man it? And I've got some examples of what that looks like to where I'll pad my feet and collect it. And we try to kick the pressure and insert the tight end, but like training the crap out of their eyes that I think so many times young tackles, they hear, man, it's deuce and all they're going to look at is that double team to the second backer. Their eyes are going to be locked in here. They're never outside. They never feel edge pressure. And then when it does become edge pressure, they try to do that deuce and they get hit inside the ear and it's just crap rotten. So that's something that's a little bit more unique for us and the way that we coach it. The back block, uh, only thing that we'll coach a little bit differently is taking the centers. Again, he's on step to get his hat across, especially if you're an upfield penetrator. If you're a read technique, we won't be quite as far. But we'll coach that backside hand to go through his hip up to the armpit so we can keep him pinned in there, and then we'll do some rip. We feel like we're going to get beat over the top. The gap pinned, I don't think we coach necessarily unique from anybody else. The pull, we do coach a hair different at times. Um, one, I like guys to know where it's three down or four down. I think in four down, you're guaranteed, guaranteed to probably a strong word, but a higher likelihood of creating a double and creating movement so I can be more into the line of scrimmage when I pull. Always pull and put my hat inside, use low hands, and try to really just bottle vice that defensive end. And then being aware when we get to three down that if it is three down, being a little bit flatter in my pull because the tackle may not get as much movement on four eye. And then trying to just give them some – down distance awareness that man if we ever call counter on third and medium or long like most coordinators like oh man it's so wide open just lock down go kick and it's gonna be awesome well those defense ends are also also pass rushing they got a chance to be a lot higher up the field so we coach that man if it's third down a lot more flat pull if it's a man call we feel edge pressure a lot more flat pull just some little things like that some great detail from Coach Ellerby in that one and how they coach tempo and the nuances of how they run counter. Again, the entire talk can be found on CoachTube. The link is in the show notes. Follow all we're doing at coachingcoordinator.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski. <laughs>